As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The week three review episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. Guys, the Bears were, were minus five. The over-under was 41. If you'd have bet them both, you'd have come away a big winner tonight on mybookie.ag. And uh, I wouldn't be telling you to bet with them if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. They got all kinds of props. They got fantasy point bets. Uh, you name it, they have it. And did you know that you could bet on games after kickoff? I mean, it wasn't necessary tonight, but let's just say, for instance, that that 21-point fourth quarter went the other way on the Bears. If you would to bet on the Bears, you could put your money on the skins, maybe win some money back and do that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, you can always take the other side. That's a big advantage you have uh, with my bookie. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Double it. Throw in a hundred, you got two hundred to play with. Throw in five hundred, you got a thousand. Up to a thousand dollars. My bookie will double your deposit if you use the promo code chair to activate the offer. That's promo code chair. Visit mybookie.ag today where you play, you win, you get paid. And it's another victory uh, episode. Guys, two in a row. I, I like how this is headed. Uh, still some concerns going into the Minnesota game uh, next Sunday, a big divisional matchup, but this one is at home, so history will be on our side at the very least. And I think we'll also be wearing throwback unis one way or the other in this one, just so long as they're not – hopefully it's not the orange ones. Please, God, don't let me – anyway, that's a discussion we'll have later on this week. But, hey, it's a victory episode, uh, so let's go ahead and, and, and review this bad boy. We got lots of good stuff to talk about. It's the week three review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. Another game already in the books. Another victory Monday for our beloved Chicago Bears as they take down the Redskins 31 to 15 on Monday Night Football. What's going on, everybody? Larity back the week three review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it started off kind of weird in the first quarter. It exploded in the second quarter. Um, we, we blew opportunities to sh- put, put the game away in the third. And then just when we thought that the Redskins were going to get back in this thing, we shut it down in the fourth quarter and, you know, everything is as it should be. The Bears should have won this game. And they did. They should have won it by a big margin, and they did. So all was right when the in the world in the fourth quarter. Uh, you'll kind of hear me go through that in the uh, in the knee jerk reactions. You know, after the first quarter, I'm not convinced. Second quarter is a little bit better, but uh, you know, it it it, it gets kind of ugly uh, there in the first quarter. But uh, in the second quarter, it's like, oh yeah, we're we're better than the Redskins, and then you know, it kind of takes off. 
uh, from there. So uh, a lot to get to uh, talking about this game, unpacking what happened last night because, you know, I, I meant to record this last night after uh, the game, but uh, Monday was a very, very long day uh, for me. Um, I usually don't sleep well on Sunday night because I Uber drive on the weekends, which means I stay up super late on Saturday and, you know, it just it throw off my sleep schedule for Sunday and uh, all that kind of stuff. So it um, Monday is usually a difficult day for me to get through. I muscled through as well as I could. In fact, <laughs> you might even be able to tell by my third quarter knee jerk reaction. I actually kind of dozed off for like the last few minutes of the third quarter. Did not see the Redskins score the touchdown. Uh, that made it 28 to 15 I think or whatever it was you hear me just kind of talking completely forgot about the second haha Clinton Dix interception all that kind of stuff <laughs> it was a long day so I just I got through the game as best I could um, I, I I did my uh, my ad reads and stuff like that right after the game but I just didn't have it in me to finish it I'm sorry guys so the game, it's just coming out a little bit later than I would have wanted to, but we're getting it done here, and uh, everything comes back on track. Tomorrow night on Wednesday, I'll be talking to Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman to get ready for week number four. Big matchup for the Bears this weekend with the 2-1 and one Vikings coming into town, and the Bears still have some things to answer for, even after um, you know putting their foot down on the Redskins like many expected them to. Uh, last night there's still some concerns in the air so let's go ahead and, and and dive in into this and and we'll start off with the with the knee-jerk reactions and you know with the first quarter uh like i said it, it's um it, it like you'll even hear me say it in the knee-jerk reaction a hard time putting my finger on this one the defense as usual is flying around it's doing things they are in mid-season form i still kind of feel like our offense is still going through the preseason right now. I, I really do. Like they haven't quite found their paces just yet. Like we're 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 getting better and better with each week, which which kind of makes you wonder. Maybe the offense had they been playing a little bit during the preseason and got some of these things uh, out of the way, we might be up to to regular season form uh, at this point. We're kind of going through the preseason now. Um, that that's kind of how I feel. You just watch the offense; it kind of it feels that way. You know, they were horrible against Green Bay. They were a little bit better against Denver. They were able to take advantage of some things against a weaker team or a less or an inferior team uh, in the Redskins uh, last night. But next week, we got a real test in, in the Vikings. Uh, this is a defense that can punch us in the mouth. And, and uh, the last time that that happened, which was week one, we didn't respond very well at all. So we got a lot to answer for in our return to Soldier Field after that debut. But. You hear me in the first quarter knee-jerk reaction, having trouble putting our, putting a finger on this one, aside from the defense uh, being the savages that they've been since moment one in this season. Knee-jerk reaction, the first quarter, Bears and the Redskins, and uh, I'm kind of having a hard time putting a finger on this one. The offense is up to its old tricks. Uh, 
as in week one old tricks. Um, Mitch isn't throwing it more than five centimeters away from the line of scrimmage. Our offensive line that shut out Bradley Chubb and Von Miller last week all of a sudden can't handle Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat as Mitch is constantly under pressure, running for his life, so that's been fun. We're not running the football against the worst rush defense in the NFL, and um, we have nothing to show for our offensive uh, opportunities thus far. However, defense finally taking matters into their own hands. Uh, first offensive drive for the Redskins, Aha Clinton Dix, pick six off of Case Keenum, 37 yards out. And even though Eddie Pinero somehow managed to hurt himself in the locker room over the weekend, made the extra point. So we're up 7 nothing. Um, and, and now the defense has become penalty prone. Uh, Prince of Mukamura just negated a fumble recovery uh, by the Bears. We got to Case Keenum, knocked the ball. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline out of his hands the bears recover it uh when they were driving the bears they were at like the bears 30 yard line um but instead a illegal hands to the face the second penalty on Amukamura tonight negates that and now the redskins still have the football and they're inside the red zone i believe to start the second quarter so defense can't seem to get out of its own way we've got offsides penalties we just keep tic-tacking the penalties onto this drive, giving the Redskins more and more opportunity. It's like, but straight up, our defense is dominating their offense thus far, and their defense is dominating our offense. So we're in for another one of these dates, unless the Bears figure it out or start running the ball or something. So I'm not seeing anything that I like on offense so far. Loving everything I'm seeing on defense except for the stupid penalties. But we're up 7 nothing as the, the Redskins are driving to start the second quarter. <laughs> And there you go. It, it's it's another offense filled with all of these short, like low low risk throws on 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 Mitch's part. There's there's no one more than fifteen feet away from him when he throws the the football. And it, you know it just. But at the same time, can you blame Nagy and 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 Trubisky for what they're doing in the passing game with the way the offensive line is played? these first few weeks i mean this is not at all what we expected from this line especially with the with the uh position change between daniels and and cody whitehair these guys are both playing their natural positions james daniel is struggling cody whitehair is fine uh kyle long has been bad in these first few games and, and you know struggling to handle uh his uh his uh, opponents uh week in and week out so far we can't run the football whenever we do 
I mean, uh, I saw a tweet from our friend Brett Coleman last night on Twitter that David Montgomery has the most breathtaking three-yard gains in football. And he's absolutely right because he's sitting there, he's pounding, he's twisting, he's fighting, he's scratching for a a two-and-a-half-yard gain because he was met behind the line of scrimmage by the first defender. He had to, you know, spin away from him, break the tackle of the next guy that got the hands on him, and dives forward, and he, he sometimes he just got back to the original uh, line of scrimmage the one positive thing is that it when, it when it comes to running the football it's Montgomery who's getting it but we're not running the football enough and you know Nagy's still up with the gadgetry with with uh, Cordero Patterson uh, the funny thing there is that of course whenever Cordero Patterson runs the ball he actually makes positive yardage so that move <laughs> justifies itself pretty much every time but you know am I crazy in wanting just a traditional straight up running game with our best running back and that's clearly David Montgomery just you know down said hike hand him the football open a freaking hole for him and see what he can do and we'll talk more about David Montgomery and his strides in the fourth quarter or after the fourth quarter knee-jerk reaction but early on uh, you know it was the offense doing the same old stuff it's not blocking for Mitch he's constantly under pressure uh, when he's not under pressure he's throwing these short high percentage throws yeah they were kind of moving the chains but you know it wasn't the offense that we were hoping for and or expecting coming into this season and it's still not it wasn't Uh, against the football team that gave up over 30 points in each of its first two games uh, we were struggling to do anything in the first quarter but then the second quarter comes around and the floodgates kind of open you know, the, the defense kind of got past its early penalties and, and, and hurting itself. I mean, there's still a few more from the defense that came uh, after the first quarter. But in the second quarter, it was a defensive show, man. Good God. Uh, I mean, the sacks and, you know, uh, another interception. I think Kyle Fuller got another interception there uh, in the second quarter. You know, Khalil Mack was absolutely everywhere. The defense was stifling. And this time the offense was able to take advantage of it, including the first three touchdown passes of Mitch Trubisky's 2019 season. The Bears pretty much closed the book on this game in the second quarter or at least made it unreachable for the uh, Redskins offense uh, because they just put way too many points on the board. And with the way our defense was playing, the Redskins were not going to be able to match it. So going into halftime, a far more optimistic view of how the evening is going and could go after the Bears jump out to a 28-3 lead going into the half. Big jerk reaction to the second quarter of the Bears and the Redskins, and it was the Taylor Gabriel show in the second quarter. Uh, it was actually also the defense's show at the same time. The Bears have, I believe, were up to three turnovers. If Mukamura didn't have that one, didn't have that one negated earlier, we'd have four in the first half. We have at least 14 points off of those turnovers. Um, what was kind of comedic about the first two touchdowns by Taylor Gabriel is that they were for touchdown passes of one and three yards. So of course. You know, even Mitch's first two touchdown passes of the season were from inside 10 yards. So uh, that was kind of hilarious. But the last one to Gabriel, 
was a much longer one. I don't know exactly how far it was, but in real speed, real time, it looked like another one of those times where Gabriel caught the ball but couldn't stay in bounds to maintain the catch. But upon further review, because it was inside of two minutes, actually, uh, Gabriel has the football. He's got one foot down when he catches the ball, and he gets the other foot down just barely before he gets before he falls into the sidelines in the end zone. And it was reversed on review as a touchdown catch. So Mitch in the first half is 20 of 23 for 173 yards and three touchdowns. I'm looking at the graphic now. And... The defense is absolutely just manhandling this Washington offense. I mean, Case Keenum said they thought they could score points on this defense. I think he, I think he meant he would help the defense score points because he keeps giving us the football. Uh, there was a fumble recovery that Hakeem Hicks made. If things, if if it was a perfect world. Uh, Khalil Mack ran past it, ran past Keenum as he had his hand in the air, he had the football in his hand in the air. In a perfect world, Khalil Mack would have just snatched the ball out of his hand and kept running, kind of like the old Statue of Liberty play. It was hilarious. But instead, he knocks it out of his hand. Akeem Hicks is there to recover, and the scoring ensues. So the Bears are up at the half. It's 28-3. to The Redskins added a field goal just before the second quarter gun went off. I believe the Skins start with the football to start the second half. But this defense is teeing off. We got a 25-point lead now, so they're going to be coming after Keenum. We might uh, even see Haskins, but I saw on Twitter people were like, who the hell wants to put Haskins? Are you guys seeing this pass rush? Are you guys insane? We're not putting him in there. Leave him out of this game. Let him start the next one. So we'll see what happens. The Bears are up 28-3. to We're cruising right now. Hopefully it keeps going this way. <laughs> So again, a far more optimistic view after the second quarter ended where the Bears exploded for 21 points, all from the offense. Now granted, I think every one of those scoring drives was set up by the defense and some kind of uh, turnover. That Khalil Mack fumble thing on, on Case Keenum was pretty good. I mean, I think that's actually what Khalil Mack was trying uh, to do. I think Keenum was trying to step up in the pocket and put his, you know, his throwing arm in the air with the football in his hand and it was almost like Khalil Mack was trying to give him a high five and hit him in the wrist, and that's where the ball comes out. And Akeem Hicks was actually lying on the ground and just rolled over on top of it uh, uh, to get it. But there was a ton of that in the second quarter. The Bears just really started getting after uh, Keenum. It's like, it's like whatever they did in the first quarter, Chuck Pagano and company got it figured out and adjusted uh, in the second quarter because there was no moving the football until they put that last uh, drive together. Uh, at the end of the half to kick the field goal. But, you know, offensively, again, we we started moving the football a little bit better. Uh, but, it, again, it was the short throws, the first two touchdown passes to Taylor Gabriel, one yard and three yards. You know, it, it's kind of a, f- a funny coincidence that that's how it happened, but that's how it was. And um, the touchdown was actually a 36-yard play. Uh, Mitch should actually get a ton of credit for the play. Number one, it was a dime of a throw. Because he put it where only Gabriel could get to it. And Gabriel did an amazing job of staying in bounds uh, and, and making the catch, hanging on to it on, in the ground. Because there was that heart-stopping moment there in the beginning, uh, during the replay process, 
where Gabriel's left hand comes off of the football, and that's where, you know, all it takes is for the referee to consider that to be him juggling the football, and it's an incompletion because he gets the left foot down when he's got both hands on it, but it negates him having the first foot down when he actually catches the ball. Uh, but luckily, the referee saw it as his right hand still has control of the ball, and he completed the process and, and had the football when he hit the ground, so therefore it's a touchdown because he got that second foot down uh, as well. It was a dime of a throw from Mitch. He kind of did it on the move uh, and everything, and it was certainly a hell of a lot longer than 10 yards, a perfect throw from Mitch. And that play is kind of a cacophony of, of the potential that is Mitch Trubisky. He's dangerous in the pocket when he can move around. He's really good throwing on the run. And there are times, not, a, not as many as we would like, but there are times when he can be deadly accurate. And that was a dime of a throw. It wasn't a lucky throw or anything like that. He put that exactly where he wanted to. And he had just enough real estate for Taylor Gabriel to be able to work his magic and come down with the football in the end zone. So an amazing job uh, from both of those guys. You heard me read a stat line. 20 for 23, 173 yards and three touchdowns. I was floored when I saw that. I mean, obviously, I knew Mitch threw for three touchdowns. I had no idea, A, he was 20 for 23. It had to be one of the most, had to be one of the least impressive 20 of 23 first halves I've ever seen because all we can think about, A, is that 20 of 23 didn't really net us much as far as moving the football and things like that in the second half in the second quarter because most of it was thanks to the short fields we were getting from the defense and the turnovers so it's not like Mitch put together three masterful drives to put points on the board there at the end of the half he was he was working with short fields thanks to our defense murdering the Redskins offense taking the football back and giving it back to Mitch on our half on the Redskins half of the 50 so I mean and and don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not pissing on Mitch and the night that he had. I'm just saying that you think you see 20 of 23, 173, and three touchdowns, quarterback rating through the roof, and you would think that Mitch was out there dominating and slinging it around and, and being the Mitch that we want him to be, and he wasn't. He just wasn't. That was, I think, the most disappointing part of reading that stat line. As you look at those stats, my God, Mitch had an amazing night. And you look at his final stats, same thing. I think he only had like six or seven incompletions for the entire game uh you know it just just something just didn't feel right about the night and and I'll talk more about that at the end because I still have some feelings about the offense and uh and what's going on here but uh, I mean you, you heard me touch on it earlier with the the whole fact that you know feels like the offense is still in preseason mode or at least like you know they're still working on on putting it together uh on the field uh kind of thing I have a little bit more to get into that um, when I kind of go through my notes uh, at the end here. But, you know, second quarter, it's all sunshine and rainbows because we actually came out and did what we were expected to do against this Redskins team. They hadn't played well. They, they, I mean, granted, they played two superior teams in the, in the Cowboys who might be the best team in the NFC uh, right now. They're certainly performing like it. And the Eagles, even though they stumbled on Sunday against the Lions, that's still a very good football team. They were shorthanded against Detroit, not to take anything away from the still unbeaten Detroit Lions. But, uh, I mean, winning a game in Philly against any Philadelphia roster is difficult, and they did it. So um, looks like the Lions are going to be a team to be reckoned with this year. So it's going to be fun in the division, starting this Sunday with the Vikings. But, um, you know, we did what we were expected to do. 
We got out in front huge. Our defense smashed their offense into the ground, and our offense and our offense took advantage of it by putting points on the board thanks to the short fields. Third quarter comes around, and there was it's it's a, it's a quarter of lost opportunities. The I did see the majority of the third quarter. Granted, I dozed off for the last few minutes of it, and like, like the first two minutes of the fourth quarter. So I'm actually doing this third quarter knee jerk reaction with 13. Like whenever the kickoff for the touchdown that the Redskins scored was, that's when I was doing the knee jerk reaction. So, um, but you know, in the third quarter, the parts of it that I did see, which was most of it, um, it, it was a quarter of missed opportunities. Uh, in my opinion, and and you hear me talk about that a little bit, even in even in my half asleep fog, uh, I get through. I, I I cover some stuff, so let's hear it. Knee jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Redskins. The uh, got a little bit of a scare there for a second. It was twenty eight to fifteen. The Redskins were driving with about nine minutes or so to go. Uh, in the game, they got it down to fourth and one deep in Bears territory, and Case Keenan served one more up for us. He, uh, I think he had four or five turnovers tonight himself, just him. Three picks for sure, a couple of fumbles. Uh, number five was the was the, my favorite, to be honest with you. Fourth and one, Keenum tries to do like a dive over the top or reach the ball over the top thing. It was like fourth and a foot kind of thing. Danny Trevathan slaps the ball out of his hand as he reaches over the pile. Adrian Peterson almost came up with it, but Eddie Jackson comes diving in, recovers the fumble for the Bears, kills the drive. And then it was the David Montgomery show as we drive the football down the field, string together some first downs, give the defense a breather. And Eddie Pinero, who they said was playing with a pinched nerve in his kicking leg tonight, uh, uh, makes up for the miss he had earlier tonight from 44. This time, nails it from 38 to make it 31-15. to 15. And then the Bears put the nice little cherry on top to uh, close out the ball game. Nick Williams with a big sack on Case Keenum as the clock expires. So uh, an absolutely dominant performance from the Bears' defense aside from those drives in the uh, – in the in well, basically the third quarter drive, there was a 97-yard touchdown drive in there, and in the fourth quarter, that that one that kind of got people nervous a little bit before the Keenum fumble. Um, I mean, they were they were savage in the first half, like four sacks, three turnovers, you know, just setting the offense up great to to succeed. <laughs> Holy hell, do I sound out of it? I feel like I was rambling there. I really do. It's funny, um, but. It was all. It was all kind of there. The message I was trying uh, uh, to deliver that touchdown. Uh, first of all, I missed the interception from Haha Clinton Dix that set up the. Was it the second one or was the? I'm having trouble remembering the chain of events because both. Like you know, we had we had good drives in the in the third quarter. I was I was right about that, but both drives ended negatively. That, that's still the best word I can come up with. Eddie Pinero attempted a 44-yard field goal and pushed it just a little bit to the right. And um, that, that may be because it, it was actually a pinched nerve. And I said earlier that he injured himself in the locker room. What I meant to say was weight room. So I don't know exactly what the extent of the injury is. They just say it was a pinched nerve in his right leg. He was able to kick through it. It hurt like hell. You could see uh, he was kind of you know gingerly walking on it after each of his kick attempts uh, last night. But he missed the 44-yarder, pushed it just a little bit wide 
uh, right. And um, you guys uh, reminded me, a couple of you did last night, well, at least he missed one of those kicks that won't matter. Like, that's absolutely correct, and that's why you didn't hear me complaining about it. And I even uh, tweeted last night, Eddie's playing hurt. He can have that one. So, you know, it's he's kind of following the script that, I, that I'm kind of writing for him. If you're going to miss the kicks, if you're going to hurt your percentage uh, at all, miss a kick when we're up by 25 against the Redskins, not that one when we're down by two against the Vikings on Sunday or something like that. You know what I mean? So that was fine, but he also came back in the fourth quarter and hit a 38-yarder that kind of iced the game, uh, if you will. Spoiler alert. But, you know, that's kind of Eddie's, – Eddie's going to be fine. Eddie's going to be fine there. Um, so that first drive – I don't remember if that was after the Clinton Dix interception or if the second one uh, – the second drive of the third quarter was the one with the, the second ha-ha interception. I think it was. I don't remember, to be honest with you. But – it was a good drive uh, from the offense. We were moving the chains. We were a whole lot better on third down. That was huge uh, for us this week. Eight for 13 uh, this week as opposed to like three of 16 against the, the Broncos uh, last week. Our third down offense was atrocious the first two games against Green Bay and Denver. Much better. Eight for 13. That's, uh, what, 75% or 66%, something like that. Two-thirds roughly, so about 60-something percent. Uh, as opposed to, what, 12% last year? Last year. Last week. But, you know, I I, I listened to some podcasts today reviewing uh, the game. I got to hear Mitch's comments post-game about that throw. And he's like, um, you know, it basically it was predetermined. He knew he wanted to go to Allen Robinson on that play. So that's kind of the first red flag. He's eyeballing his receiver. But uh, nonetheless, he thought he was going to throw it short and instead – Allen Robinson beat him over the top. So he he made a choice that that's where he was going to throw the football because he thought that's where Allen Robinson was going to be. And instead, it was a little bit of a, uh, a miscommunication, as he called it. He didn't see that Robinson was going to go over the top. He thought Robinson was going to cut it inside. And he threw it where he thought Robinson was going to be. And instead, it was Norman uh, that was sitting there. He was there in the, in the front corner of the end zone. If he throws it to the back corner in the end zone, you know, Robinson catches that no problem. It's a, it's another touchdown on the board. The reason that that play is so frustrating is that it kind of feeds back into the whole Mitch can't be trusted. This is what he does. These are the decisions he makes. These are the throws he makes kind of thing. You know, overall, Mitch had a pretty good night. He did. But it's just that the things that we don't like that he does – Whenever he does them, it's glaring to Bear fans and to people that are watching the game and, and that have criticized, criticism uh, of Mitch and, and what the start that he's had uh, to the season. You know, it's been widely ignored, the offensive evening that he had as far as his, his level of accuracy and, and the throws that he did make um, and completed and how he was able to help the offense move the football a lot better than we did a week ago against the the Broncos. Like I mentioned, the um, the third uh, third down uh, conversion rate was much much better this week uh, than it was uh, last week, and that uh, you know he was far more accurate than he has been as far as completing uh, his passes. Twenty five of thirty one for two thirty one, three touchdowns, the one pick. He was sacked three times. And his quarterback rating was 116.5. So that's an outstanding night statistically. 
But to, to hear people talk about the game, including some of the things that I've said, you would think Mitch was like 11 for 35 uh, for a buck 80 and, you know, and things like that. And the, and the touchdowns he got were, were gimmies or easy ones or not, not by his doing uh, kind of thing. It, it's, it's kind of hard to praise him and criticize him at the same time. You know, we're also very sensitive because let's be honest, we love Mitch. We do. This guy has, he persevered that first season, his rookie year against John Fox and Dole Loggins. I mean, God bless him. He survived those two idiots. He comes in last year with Matt Nagy. He has his inconsistency problems, but he was leaps and bounds better than he was the year before, which led us all to believe that he and Matt Nagy were going to get everything right and come into 2019 guns blazing, firing on all cylinders, ready to go with him making the year one to year two jump uh, as opposed to uh, making from year zero to, to year one. Like everyone calls last year his rookie year because he's learning a good offense and, and had weapons and things around him. No one really wants to count that first year uh, under John Fox. Like they showed a graphic last night of the 2017 quarterback class with Trubisky, Watson, and, and Mahomes. And, of course, Watson and Mahomes, their winning percentages are way better than than Mitch's is like but uh you know Mahomes was a star not Mahomes but Watson was pretty much a starter from day one but he missed I think two-thirds of his rookie year with a knee injury um and was a you know, I think 10 and 10 and 6 11 and 5 last year for the for the Texans and Mahomes didn't play at all his first year I mean he he played in in uh in garbage time in week 17 against the uh Broncos but he didn't play Mitch is the one that suffered through what four and eight or something like that in the first 12 games uh, against and that's you know he played on a lousy football team his first year and was 10 and three 10 and four 11 and four something like that with the it was 11 and three last year for the Bears because he was because Chase Daniel was one and one uh, four so including that playoff game he was 11 and four uh, last year as a starter for us and uh, you know it just kind of looked lopsided with Mahomes and his winning percentage because he's three and oh so far this year was 11 and five or 12 and four uh, last year so his winning percentage looks fantastic Mahomes looks better because he was doing well for the Texans before he got hurt and they won 10 11 games last year and they're two and one so far uh, this year but uh, you know even though Mitch is two and one and won a division championship last year, just like those two guys did, uh, and everything else. He was the one that played the majority of his uh, rookie season for a bad football team. So his win-loss record took a hit because of it. Um, you know, it's kind of a misleading stat. So uh, I, did, I didn't like seeing that. But the, the comparisons will always be there, especially since Mitch was taken first. And everyone keeps reminding us that we could have taken Mahomes, we could have taken Watson, uh, blah 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 well we didn't we didn't guys we took Mitch and you know I was like I will always own up to my ignorance about Patrick Mahomes coming into it but then again everyone has to own up to that nobody out there not one draft expert on this planet rated Mahomes over anybody let alone Trubisky and Watson I mean Trubisky was actually you know number one on a lot of people's lists even more so in front of Watson uh, and things like that. I think people were were talking about more potential and everything because obviously 
Watson had the most impressive resume. He won national championships, was a Heisman finalist, uh, that kind of thing. But we picked who most people thought was the best guy coming into the draft, and he still might end up being that one of these days. It's going to be very, very tough to out, to eclipse Mahomes and what he's doing, but he might very well someday figure it out and, and uh, lead us all down the path of, of righteousness when it comes to football. But, um, you know, in that third quarter, the, uh, the, the, the 97-yard drive, that was kind of uh, alarming. That when they, they finished it off at the beginning of the fourth quarter to set up the touchdown to make it a two-score uh, game. But, uh, you know, for the most part, the defense kind of picking up where it was, and it was missed opportunities for our offense. We left 10 points on the board where we could have easily, easily put the game to bed uh, in the third quarter. So hopefully that's a trend that does not continue. So with a Matty Panero field goal, that's, that's a, that's a, we'll give him a mulligan on that. That's not a big deal. But, but driving the field and coming up short on that touchdown drive in the third quarter for Mitch to throw that, to throw that interception, the one that was just, you know, a bad throw, bad decision, miscommunication. Mitch says, I wish that I could have that one back. You know, uh, it's great that he acknowledges the mistake, but he still made the throw. And that's kind of everybody's point is that, you know, he, he always finds a way to make the wrong decision when it comes to these to these moments. So unless the game is on the line, you can't really trust Mitch. You know, he might be the most clutch quarterback in the NFL because he manages to put our, his team in the best position to succeed when the game is on the line. But from the first first 58 minutes of the game, can you really trust them at times? And that's kind of like the conundrum when it comes to Mitch and, and uh, you know, people that evaluate him and, and, and things like that. So anyway, we move on to the to the fourth quarter. The Bears finally put the cherry on it, including a, an outstanding uh, defensive stand there at the end when it looked like the Redskins were going to threaten and make this a one-score game uh, you know, about halfway through the uh, through the fourth quarter, they finally had enough of Keenum and the Redskins and 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 Terry McLaren and all their nonsense and shut it down. Get the fumble and the Bears take the football and move it in the chains. Eddie Pinero puts the field goal, making up for the miss that he had earlier. We finally put this thing to bed and everything is right in the football world as our beloved take their 31-15 victory. Head back home to Hallis Hall to prepare. Uh, for the Vikings so it was just uh, you know it was a a good way to finish off uh, the game and and here's my uh, knee-jerk reaction for it knee-jerk reaction fourth quarter Bears and Redskins the uh, got a little bit of a scare there for a second it was 28 to 15 the Redskins were driving with about nine minutes or so to go uh, in the game, they got it down to fourth and one deep in Bears territory, and Case Keenan served one more up for us. He, uh, I think he had four or five turnovers tonight himself, just him. Three picks for sure, a couple of fumbles. Uh, number five was the was the, my favorite, to be honest with you. Fourth and one, Keenum tries to do like a dive over the top or reach the ball over the top thing. It was like fourth and a foot kind of thing. Danny Trevathan slaps the ball out of his hand as he reaches over the pile. Adrian Peterson almost came up with it, but 
Eddie Jackson comes diving in, recovers the fumble for the Bears, kills the drive. And then it was the David Montgomery show as we drive the football down the field, string together some first downs, give the defense a breather. And Eddie Pinero who they said was playing with a pinched nerve in his kicking leg tonight, uh, uh, makes up for the miss he had earlier tonight from 44. This time nails it from 38 to make it 31 to 15. And then the Bears put the nice little cherry on top to uh, close out the ball game. Nick Williams with a big sack on Case Keenum as the clock expires. So uh, an absolutely dominant performance from the Bears defense aside from those drives in the uh, in the in well basically the third quarter drive there was a 97 yard touchdown drive in there and in the fourth quarter that that one that kind of got people nervous a little bit before the Keenum fumble um I mean they were they were savage in the first half like four sacks three turnovers you know just setting the offense up great to to succeed and in a perfect world that's how we'll always go our defense will be dominant they'll take the football away or they'll keep the field position battle in our favor give Mitch short fields make his work easy and we'll take advantage of those uh situations so last night in you know I think the second quarter was like the perfect quarter as far as that is concerned the defense was stifling shutting down the opponents we had great field position throughout the quarter the offense took advantage put all the points on the board and and there you go we we, we you know kind of ran away with the game there in the second the second quarter is what won us the football game that's what gave us the lead and, and everything else. Uh, the third quarter, like I said, it feels like maybe we kind of took our foot off the gas uh, a little bit, maybe played a little bit softer in coverage, and that allowed the Redskins to, A, inflate their stats, and B, kind of give themselves a, a glimmer of hope there uh, for a bit. But, uh, you know, we were able to uh, to right the wrong there. I mean, Keenum, 332 yards uh, last night, two touchdowns, three picks. Uh, and everything same story with the running game that 69 yards rushing which I think is was double their output for the season I think they were only averaging about 30 something yards a game coming into this uh, thing but um, you know in the end everything was as it should be the Bears are the better football team they should have shut the Redskins down and they did so um, unfortunately though we don't get out of there unscathed so um, we did uh, have some bumps and bruises, including the hero of the game, Taylor Gabriel, not finishing the game with a concussion. They did one of the jet sweeps and basically had his head bounced off the turf and he left the game uh, with a concussion. I did see him tweeting today, so maybe he's feeling better uh, than he did last night. And um, hopefully that he'll be clear concussion protocol and play against Minnesota. Akeem Hicks left the game early with a knee injury, a right knee injury that uh, I heard Nagy today say he thinks it's more of a wear and tear thing. 6'5", 335 pounds, doing what they do, it is rough on the knees. So maybe that's what it is, and uh, he'll be fine for Sundays. You know, he didn't make it sound like it was alarming or anything. And the thing about it is Matt Nagy is, is very forthcoming, or at least it feels that way. So you don't feel like he's trying to put one over on the media like John Fox and, and uh, even Lovey Smith did, being very vague with the, with the media and not telling them everything not being very transparent and things like that you gotta get a feeling that Matt Nagy's not screwing with you or at least he's being genuine in his feeling that it's not a big deal that it's not serious uh, or anything uh, like that so you know just one of those things that uh, guys are banged up we got a big game coming up on Sunday and for anyone who wasn't a fan of the early buy like week six as we got Minnesota this weekend we got the Raiders over in the UK next weekend 
that week six bye is looking pretty good right now. Guys are a little banged up. You know, that, that, that week off is looking pretty good. So it kinda, I actually almost kind of wish we had the same schedule as last year where we get the break after we play Minnesota uh, on Sunday. Uh, you know, good way to close out the first quarter, get some guys healthy, let them heal up for a bit before we go forward with the Raiders and stuff like that uh, from there. But uh, got to go another two games before we get the break. And, uh, this, you know, this banged-up team could use the rest already. So gear up for uh, – What's going to be a critical run, especially coming off the bye with uh, with the Chargers, the Saints, and the Eagles to kick off that uh, that's you know to a polish up the second half of the schedule and b you know kick off the the long run. We got we got eleven games straight after we do the bye uh, in a couple of weeks. But um, anyway, that's it. The that's our that's the review with our knee jerk reactions uh, and stuff. I got some news and notes, and we got bear up and bear down. But first. <coughs> Remember, guys, promo code CHAIR to double your first deposit with my bookie. And, uh, you know, the, the defense today, or tonight I should say, was uh, absolutely savage. Flying all over the place, causing turnovers, getting after Case Keenum all night long. And if you want to be a savage in the bedroom, fellas, then I would recommend Blue Chew. You know, let's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. Again, with the bathtub thing. So you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full or empty stomach. And since they are chewable, they will work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Like if Case Keenum tries to throw the ball over the top of the pile, you'll be ready to go. I have no idea what that means. I just thought it sounded good. Uh, if you could benefit from a little extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code armchair, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code armchair to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Before we get to bear up and bear down, got some uh, some notes from the game uh, last night. This is what I typed out afterwards. Like Mitch was much improved tonight, but it still feels like shackles are on him with all of the short throws. But add that to the inaccuracies and the downright bad throws and concerns are still there. I mean, that's that's exactly how I feel. You look at his stat line and that gives you one impression. But if you actually sit down and watch it, it will give you another impression uh, altogether. And, and I don't know. If, if it's because we're still trying to get a feel uh, or try to get a rhythm going. And that was another one of my notes here. Um, you know, I said it, it, with the concerns and everything, Nagy and the offensive line are not helping. Offensive line has been inconsistent, and Nagy keeps calling the short throws. And, and this is my thought, is that he keeps trying to get Mitch going when he should actually just be trying to get the offense going. If, if the offense goes, Mitch goes with it. Mitch is part of the offense 
if it gets going, he will get going. I, you know, I just think, man, it's it's kind of a a, a, a viewpoint or, or a skewed philosophy or, or, or whatever. He's so concerned, I think, with with getting Mitch going. I maybe getting not that I don't think Mitch is a you know, uh, I don't think he lacks in confidence or anything like that. I don't think Mitch Mitch is mentally untough uh, or mentally weak. I should say. Uh, or anything like that. So I I, I just kind of think that it's it's kind of going against uh, you know flying in the face of what we really want to do here with what we're actually doing. And and you know it just feels like we're trying to get a rhythm by by doing the least uh, helpful thing possible. We're dinking and dunking, and uh, when this offense is capable of so much more, we look at the guys that we have on the field. Like we're having a problem right now with with we do, we've got all this talent and we only got one football to spread it uh around to guys like J- javon wims and anthony miller are kind of suffering in the background and alan robinson's getting his touches this was the first real contributions for taylor gabriel uh you know on monday night uh and everything cordell patterson is isn't having much of an impact in the passing game he's more of the gadget guy and you know are are, are um, just doing a, more of a service to us in the running game than he is in the passing game uh trey burton still trying to get his legs under him uh had four catches last night but for only 20 yards because they were all short uh completions uh once again uh and everything so i don't know if it's it's if we're doing this low risk uh you know also very low reward kind of dinking dunking short passing thing because we don't really trust the offensive line right now because anytime mitch tried to do any kind of drop back there was all there was some kind of pressure that was coming and and so i don't know if it's that if it's lack of faith in mitch or if it's still lack of faith in the offensive uh line but i think that we're what we're doing offensively is kind of counter uh counterproductive you know we're just gonna have to put our dig our heels into the ground and you know crack the whip on the offensive line and tell these guys to start blocking better uh, because we our offense is being held up by your lack of uh you know consistency you can shut out bradley chubb and uh von miller got a big goose egg i think five pressures the entire uh football game out of those two stud pass rushers but you're going against an aging ryan kerrigan you know a rookie in in, in montez sweat and and we're getting manhandled up front and mitch is running for his life uh kind of thing you guys got to pick a lane here you know, you got to be better than you've been doing, especially running the football, because it's just I thank God that we have David Montgomery, but we're wasting him right now. A buddy of mine texted me last night and said, you guys should just cut David Montgomery. You know, it, it's hilarious and it's insane. But at the same time, why not? Because it's we're not using him. We, we used him there in the fourth quarter and, and he made his uh, he made his gains. He got another uh, productive night where he had another you know 5.2 yards a carry last night 13 carries 67 yards but he's got a 25 yard long in there which would be 12 carries for 42 yards that brings the average way down and that but that's because he's not getting those holes to to punch through i mean it just but thank god that we have him because as much as i love jordan howard and i championed him while he was with us he was a very good running back for us he is definitely not the fighter at the line of scrimmage or at the point of attack that david montgomery is jordan howard would have lowered his head and basically tried to bowl his way through get what he could before he was uh you know brought down or or before the whistle was blown 
uh, uh, kind of thing, whereas David Montgomery is going to fight and scratch and claw for every single centimeter uh, that he can earn uh, on the field. So he's, I mean, you know, if you think his uh, 67 yards wasn't impressive, put Jordan Howard in those situations and see if we still come away with 5.2 yards of carry and 67 uh, yards rushing. He's just... He he doesn't see the same the field the same way that uh, that David Montgomery does, and he doesn't fight. And you know, David Montgomery runs angry, like he's got something to prove uh, or, or something. I think it could be huge for us if we could get him going. If we could come off the bus, you know, like Lovey Smith would say, we we get off the bus running the football. If we could do that, if we could actually perform in the running game, that would open everything up. It absolutely would. So. Um, you know, that has to be priority one on the on the with the offense to hell with trying to get Mitch going and all these little little dinky, you know, piss ant five yard throws and 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 things like that. It's it's not opening up the defense at all. There's still going to be eight guys in the box, not because they're trying to defend the run, but because they don't they know they don't have to go far to be wherever the football is going to be. That's where that's what it is. Uh, with our opponents right now so that's something that we definitely need to improve upon we need to get the running game going that will open i honestly believe that will open the floodgates for everything else if we become a threat to run the football with whether it's montgomery or davis or cohen or whoever even patterson if we become a threat to run the football that will open up because defenses will have to will have to honor that they will have to honor it so yeah, so that's what I said. Uh, Ryan Clark had some interesting thoughts on Mitch. There was a lot of sense to what he was saying about his inconsistencies and how he hasn't kind of lived up to his draft stock and, and being the guy that was drafted ahead of Mahomes and Watson. Uh, but uh, saying that he was going to be the next uh, Ryan Lee for Jamarcus Russell, was a that was a step too far. That's He's already better than those guys, way better than those guys were i mean comparing him to marcus russell that is a huge slap uh in the face i mean this is a guy that was sent home with a box of tapes uh that his coaches wanted him to review and when they asked him if they reviewed him he said yes the only thing was those tapes were blank the coaches were were testing him to see if he was uh actually watching film or or anything uh like that and he lied straight to their faces he didn't he didn't even crack that box open uh, when he got home and it was confirmed when he's like, yeah, I watched the tapes, you know, it was uh, look good, uh, you know, lots of good stuff in there uh, kind of thing when they sent him home with a box of blank tapes. That's not Mitch. Mitch is first guy in, last guy out of the facility, that kind of thing. He's a leader. His teammates respect him. That wasn't going on with uh, Jamarcus Russell. Uh, Ryan Leaf was a ticking time bomb. And when things started going sideways uh, in San Diego, uh, so did he. Uh, as well if Mitch can la- and can you know survive year one uh, with Fox and, and Loggins he can survive pretty much anything at this point so it's just a matter of getting him going and I think we need to get the offense going more than we need to get Mitch going because that will take the pressure off him he can relax a little bit and if you guys remember the Brett Coleman video when Mitch is able to get out of his head and just play football he's as good a quarterback as there is in the league and I think right now he's just thinking too much because the offense isn't doing very well so he feels like he has to do something so I don't really get a feeling and maybe I'm contradicting myself but I don't really feel like he's pressing all that much so much as he's feeling the pressure of having to do something so uh, I really do think that we need to reshift our focus in getting the offense going 
more so than we need to get Mitch going. So, but on the other side of the ball, defense was savage again. Five turnovers, four sacks. They were flying all over the place. Like I said earlier, they lagged a bit in the third quarter. Um, you know, could be a product of taking their foot off the gas, but they stepped up when it was needed, got that last turnover to kill the last hope for the Redskins and, and kind of cemented the victory with the, you know, just a heads up play by Danny Trevathan to go for the football. Uh, Case Keenum treat, treating fourth and a foot like it was at the goal line. You get your, your you get the ball over uh, the uh, over the, the plane in, in the end zone. It's a touchdown and the play is over. That's not how it works when you're actually in the field of play. He found out the hard way. And um, big ups to to Eddie Jackson being the man on the spot because Peterson was going to try to pick it up and keep going and dive for the first down, but Eddie was there to stop him from doing that. So uh, I really feel like we finally got to see what this defense is really capable of this week. Dangerous on all three levels, ball hungry, aggressive after the quarterback, and we'll need that next week with the uh, with the Vikings coming into town because what we want to do, and this is kind of putting the cart before the horse, but what we want to do against Minnesota is we want to – in it's not a very good comparison, but it's the comparison that works right now. We want to treat them like we did with the Rams, whereas we shut down Todd Gurley and put the football in Jared Goff's hands, and that played right into our hands. Four interceptions and you know all that kind of stuff later, the Bears come away uh, with a fairly easy victory against the Rams. That's what we want to do on Sunday. Dalvin Cook's the leading rusher in the NFL right now. Uh, I don't think Cousins has thrown for more than 20 passes in each of the first three games this year. They were putting it all in their running backs back. So we want to shut him down, put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands, because we know if you put it on Kirk Cousins, things are going to go your way and not theirs. So that's what we're going to need from this defense to be flying around the ball, to be savages in the box next week, to shut down Cook, put the ball in, in, uh, in Cousins' hands, and, uh, you know, I'll take my chances with that every day of the week. If we're going to sit there and, and let them run all over us like they have pretty much everybody else uh, so far uh, this year, uh, it's going to be a long day for us uh, in Chicago. So, And to answer my question uh, in the beginning segment there where I was talking about well, like we're wearing throwbacks this week against the Vikings, it's the stripes. It's the 1936 throwback. So no orange jerseys. Hallelujah. And uh, we're not wearing the 40s, which I prefer, but... Nonetheless, we're going to see how those how those uniforms look on TV uh, this Sunday. So, yeah, is the orange too bright and it looks weird like we're wearing the, you know, the the 10 mile orange that hunters wear? Or is it the more subdued for it? Because it depends on the picture you look at. I loved it and hated it all at the same time. But the socks still suck no matter what. But the rest of it is actually not bad looking. So um, anyway, that's all I got for the news and notes. Let's do bear up and bear down. And, uh, you know, fairly simple. Uh, bear up, Khalil Mack. <laughs> Duh. You know, just uh, just the beast. And, I mean, he's just, he, he was so good last night. God, God, are we lucky to have him on our team, man. Good God. I'm so happy Khalil Mack is a bear. Uh, bear up, haha, Clinton Dix. Two interceptions last night. One for a pick six. Uh, bear up, Taylor Gabriel. Three touchdowns there in the second quarter. Even leaving early, he still had an outstanding uh night um six catches on seven targets for i think like 65 yards or something like that 75 yards excuse me and the three touchdowns bear up eddie pinero 
playing hurt with a pinched nerve. Missed the 44-yarder that was meaningless, but made the one that we needed at the end to seal the game, make it 31-15, to a 38-yarder. So good job, Eddie. Uh, cleaning up with this bear-up, bear-down thing, bro. Nicely done. Uh, bear-up David Montgomery, 5.2 yards a carry, that 25-yard run. You know, if he had just a little bit more burst of speed, that probably could have been a touchdown, a big run, uh, too. But it set up the what was basically the game-sealing field goal uh, there in the uh, fourth quarter. Love the way he runs the football. If only his offensive line could give him some lanes to run through so he could get to the second level before he's facing contact. And I'll take my chances with David Montgomery on the second level any day of the week. If he's got to try to juke and find that that uh, that 18 inches of daylight that Gale Sayers talked about in the NFL films back in the day, 18 inches of daylight, that's all I need. That's all this kid needs too, but he needs the daylight. He's not getting any daylight up front, and if he gets the daylight and he gets into the second level, it's one move and we got 10 more yards until the third level comes, and you know those are just odds I'll take all day long. I think David Gunt Montgomery is an explosion waiting to happen. Uh, in the running game, which is why I think we need to refocus the offense to be more ground heavy immediately, not something that we work into eventually and and that kind of stuff. Come off the bus running the football, not like we did against Green Bay where it was like two handoffs to Mike Davis or whatever it was. Give it to this kid, Montgomery. We need to be feeding him at least 20 times uh, a game. Last night it was 13 times. He should have 13 carries by halftime. That's how it should be doing. Uh, with David Montgomery you know 13 should be a half for him not a game so uh, uh, anyway bear up to Montgomery bear up to Trubisky you know I've been criticizing him and then you know 21 of 30 25 of 31 right 25 yeah 25 31 so a far more accurate night than where he, than uh, he's been having uh, as of uh, late the three touchdowns uh, that one interception though is kind of glaring because of the situation and and, uh, you know, what it kind of hampered us from being able to do. But, uh, you know, overall, a much, much better night. Still a progression, a step in the right direction. So bear up to Mitch. And we move on to, oh, one more one more bear up, Chuck Pagano. How could you not? I mean, everybody on defense at one point, or Kyle Fuller, uh, a bear up, uh, you know, things like that. It's, it's uh, the defense across the board. Nick Williams got a big sack to shut the game down uh, last night. That was awesome. So Akeen Hicks with, you know, being the man on the spot with the fumble there in the second quarter uh, and everything. The defense is uh, the defense is in full stride right now. Would really love to see these guys cool it with the with the penalties. Too many mistakes. We had, you know, too many times we're jumping off sides or taking off before the ball was snapped and things like that. We're keeping our teams, keeping our opponents alive when we do that. So we need to cool it with the penalties and then we're good because otherwise this defense is outstanding. So bear up to Pagano for being the being the uh, the captain of the ship there. Uh, we haven't missed a step, you know. God love Vic Fangio, you know, and and God knows I would have loved it if he stayed. But truth be told, <laughs> we're not missing him right now. We're just not. So um, uh, and then on the bear down side, the first name on the list, Mitch Trubisky, still missing some throws. The the inaccuracy, it's it's just glaring when he does it, and I, I don't know if it's because we're looking for it or anything like that so maybe it's a little bit unfair uh to do it that way the norman interception was inexcusable uh in that situation what it and and it didn't cost us the game thank god but points are were a luxury but we still needed 
the you know still needed to make that happen it would have absolutely killed the game for the redskins and um he blew the situation uh you know good on him for for acknowledging that but uh but still you know not a good decision and you know it just kind of feeds into the narrative that's driving all bear fans crazy uh right now so uh need to to clean that up bear down to matt Nagy play calling not getting enough guys involved in anthony miller javon wims that we heard about that were heroes in the preseason where are these guys you know how about we run the football more with montgomery and a little less with uh patterson but like i said earlier patterson always does stuff with the football so we can't quite argue against that all the time but you know i would like to see far more david montgomery and a little less uh you know patterson in the backfield so i did like that one uh with like the where they had guys like four guys lined up in the backfield that was a fun formation but then again montgomery was on the field when we did that one so yeah i like that stuff let's do more of that that was fun and creative uh in the goal line situation there but uh you know let's not have patterson's lining up as a single back and then hand him the football let's let's have him catch the ball out of the backfield or something like that let's do that instead and then finally prince of mukamura had two illegal hands to the face penalties uh last night the one that cost us the fumble seemed kind of ticky tack because he he basically just kind of touched the guy's face he didn't grab the face mask or or even like hold him you know like one of the like give him like a stiff arm or something like that it was still kind of ticky tack but the refs are looking for that and it was the second time he got nailed for it and whenever you hear a defensive penalty it's usually a mukamura that's not a joke he was the highly the highest penalized defensive player last year i mean it's going to happen with cornerbacks pass interference defensive holding that kind of thing but or illegal hands that kind of deal but uh you know it always just seems like if there's a is a penalties on defense it's likely it's a mukamura which is strange but you know we could have we could have shut things down maybe a little bit sooner or got the ball rolling sooner uh you know in the first quarter uh if not for the penalty so we need to like i said defense overall we need to clean that up a mukamura kind of stands out because his penalty cost us uh, a turnover last night. So anyway, more of a slap on the wrist. How about we make Prince of Mookin an honorable mention for Bear Down? So we won't, we'll take him off the list. He doesn't make the Bear Down list. He's an honorable mention because of his uh, penalties, uh, you know, standing out and everything. Let's do that instead. So anyway, that is going to do it for Bear Up, Bear Down. That will do it for the week three review episode of the Bear Stock Underground. Come back on Friday. When Chris Gates, our good friend from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation, will be back to help us preview week number four, Bears-Vikings. It's a big game. Two two-in-one teams. It's a big home game for the Bears. It's our second NFC North matchup of the season. We're already 0-1 thanks to the loss against uh, Green Bay week one. We got a lot to uh, to answer for. Returning home after that embarrassing show week one, coming back to the Soldier Field crowd after back-to-back road wins, this is one we need. We need this one uh, to, uh, to to to. I really think to kind of get the ball going. But uh, the funny thing is, we've kind of got this big matchup, week number four. Another two and one team coming into town. Kind of like when we played Tampa Bay last week. I'm just saying. I'm just our last year. I'm just saying. So not saying Mitch is going to come out and throw over 380 and six touchdowns in the first half. But wouldn't it be awesome if that did happen? You know, we got David Montgomery running the football. The Vikings ease up a little bit. Next thing you know, boom, Mitch is slinging it around the field. Big gains, Trey Burton, touchdown, Allen Robinson. Yeah, I, I could live with that. So, anyway, come back on Friday. 
and uh, we'll uh, we'll preview the game. Myself and Chris Gates, we'll get you ready for it. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.